0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg shoots This is episode 31 of the 2022 podcast series, also known as the second episode of the post-draft edition. Now, the Ready for the Draft podcast, normally we're getting you ready for the NFL draft by taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects, but in this case, we're actually doing a draft recap. That's right, taking a look at all 32 teams, going pick by pick, and really taking a look at you know the value of each of those picks, as well as the fit, and so, episode one of the post-draft edition, we took a look at my two favorite drafts, and that was the Baltimore Ravens, You know, obviously getting Kyle Hamilton there, best player available there at 14, then dra- uh, trading back into round number one, getting Tyler Linderbaum, the Jets. Not only do you get the number one corner, the number one or number two wideout, depending on who you talk to, and you trade back into the first round because you also needed a pass rusher Jermaine Johnson happened to fall to them at 26. Excellent draft there. They also get the number one running back and a top five tight end when it was all said and done. So those were my two favorite drafts. We also started alphabetically from there with the rest of the team. So we started with the Arizona Cardinals, went through the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this podcast, we're actually going to take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs all the way through to the Washington Commanders. And then episode three of the post-draft edition, we'll actually be taking a look position by position on how the draft really played out. And we'll even take a look at the undrafted free agents at each of those positions, the guys that I think could make an NFL roster and make an impact at the next level. And then finally, in that at the end of that episode, we'll sprinkle in a brief look into the 2023 draft that's right the guys that you need to be paying attention to during the 2022 college football season obviously we're gonna have the 2023 NFL draft series that'll start start you know it'll come out probably in August and uh, we'll go ahead and kick things off and really start talking about the 2023 draft uh, in August of, uh, of this year so there's a lot to cover we have 16 teams Uh, to to cover here in the next hour or so. So we're going to jump right into things and take a look at Kansas City and and what the Chiefs did. And if the Ravens and the Jets were my two favorite, number three had to be the Kansas City Chiefs, especially with what they did with their first five picks. Now, Trent McDuffie, I was not expecting him to be on the board. I actually had them go corner and then defensive end, but ultimately I had them going uh, Andrew Booth at 29 and Boye Mafé at number 30. Not expecting Trent McDuffie to be there at 21 overall when they traded up with the New England Patriots to get McDuffie. But I'm telling you, if this guy were a couple of inches taller, we'd be looking at a guy who was in that conversation for a potential top 10 pick. Pretty clean in terms of the tape. Very uh, sticky in terms of that, that that corner. He likes to be aggressive. Gets his hands on you. He could be a press man guy. Can play in off coverage. Can play inside and outside. Likely to be the nickel there in this Defense. They already have Jerry Sneed. They also have Rashad Fenton. So I think you know he really fits well as that nickel. Uh, but a guy who's fearless. He's going to come up and and, and help and, and run support. He's going to stick his nose in, uh, coming downhill whenever possible. So love that pick uh, to Kansas City. Uh, then they go defensive end as I mentioned, and they they get the the, the big Greek. Uh, physical specimen there in in George Karloft. It's a guy who, look, he played water polo as a kid, was on the uh, Greek national team at one point, Uh, but I'll tell you, a lot of people have kind of been down on on George Karloftis, saying, "Well, he's got the shorter arms; he's not all that explosive; can't really bend." I think he's a much better athlete than people give him credit for. And yes, I know he, he didn't live up to that freshman season where he had the seven sacks and double-digit tackles for loss. But you know, I, I thought you know you see the power in his hands. He made a lot of plays in the backfield. A guy who I think can get to the quarterback coming off the edge. And when you look at the the, the Chiefs they really got the juice that they needed in a pass rusher when Melvin Ingram joined the team. And that's really what I was looking for, uh, was who are they gonna bring in that can help provide that juice? Because you have Frank Clark on one end and you have one of the most dynamic uh, defensive tackles in the middle of your defense in Chris, Chris Jones. So who are you going to bring in getting George Karloftis there to be able to uh, you know, work with Frank coming off the edge? I think he'll see a lot of single uh, single team matchups there, one-on-one, and uh, you know he's going to use those heavy hands of his to, to get after the quarterback. I think he'll be a, a day one starter for sure. Then in round two, you knew that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to look receiver. I didn't think they were going to go round one, but round two made a lot of sense to me. And... Uh, you know, obviously, Tyreek Hill's in, in Miami, so you're looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster teaming up with, with Nicole Hardman, uh, but you needed another guy to really move that needle, and I'm looking at Sky Moore. Wow, what a what a pick! The 22nd pick in round number two, and when you watch Sky Moore play, he's just so smooth and fluid as a route runner. Uh, you forget, at, you know, that this dude also ran a 4-4-140 at the combine. He always looked to be more more sudden and, and quicker than fast with the route running ability. But look, you know, 95 catches, 1292 yards, and 10 touchdowns this past season. Uh, love that pick. Patrick Mahomes has a new favorite target, along with with Travis Kelsey there. And then, staying in round number two, they get Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati. A guy who, look, had 96 tackles. The versatility is really what stands out. Not only does he have that, he had nine pass breakups. He can play over the top. He can play in the box. Uh, When you look at the safety position, they needed to get another safety in this group. You have Juan Thornhill, but Tyron Matthews gone, Daniel Sorensen, Armani Watts also gone. You bring in Justin Reed, but you need that third corner. I don't think Dion Bush necessarily moves the needle enough. So you get Brian Cook in there to really solidify that unit. I really like that pickup as well. And then getting into round number three, their last pick on day two, uh, the 39th pick in round number three, and they get Leon, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. This dude is a guy, he was a volume tackler for Wisconsin, but also a guy that was making a lot of plays in the backfield. Uh, eight and a half sacks, go along with, I believe, 18 tackles for loss. When you look at this this linebacking group, they've got Willie Gay, they've got Nick Bolton, guys that like to fly around uh, to the football. Leo Chenal is another guy that's going to be able to do that. I see Leo Chennault at that strong side backer spot, uh, ultimately taking over a starting spot from Jermaine Carter. Uh, obviously, they like to, to, to use that nickel a lot, so you'll see a lot of the two-linebacker sets, but I think you can have that rotation there with, with Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, and Leo Chennault really like that pick there. Day three, you, you really saw an emphasis on the secondary. This is, I, I think, a play there by uh, by the GM, you know Brett Beach, really wanting to focus on that secondary. So what do they do? They get a big corner Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. Long guy, 6'3", 195 pounds. Stiff in his hips a little bit, so you kind of worry about that, but a guy that's going to be able to play out on the outside there. Battle uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, Lonnie Johnson, who they got from Houston, for that next cornerback spot. What do they then do? They look at the guard spot. And I think what this draft told me when I'm looking at the guard position, a lot of these guys that were tackles that project to be guards at the next level, they didn't, you know, that their draft stock was not very high. I had Darian Kennard as a guy that could have been a second, possibly third-round pick, he looks to me like a lot, you know, a lot like Cody Ford. Um, so a, a tackle, but really belongs as a guard. And when you look at this offensive line, obviously you've got Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. You're really set there. So then you have Darian Kennard, who's probably going to battle Andrew Wiley, Lucas Niang for that right tackle spot, but also provides a lot of depth uh, as as well. Uh, because I I think he'll be able to to spot Tooney and and Smith at the guard positions as well. So really nice value there in round number five, the second pick uh, of the fifth round. And then three picks in round number seven. They get another bigger corner in in Jalen Watson, uh, 6'2", 197 pounds, a guy who – Probably could could see some time at safety when it's all said and done. Um, but a guy that I think is going to push for some playing time, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, the 30th pick in, in round number seven out of Rutgers. You know, this guy, look, he was battling behind a, an offensive line that uh, that was pretty porous there for uh, the the Scarlet Knights. Ran just you know just 3.9 yards per carry. Um, you know, but look, that that speed is really what what, what jumps out at you, and uh, you need a, a third back to run with with. Edwards Alaire, Ronald Jones second, uh, who they brought in from Tampa. And uh, I think Pacheco has a good chance to really stick with this roster. Ran that 43740 at the combine. So, uh, like that value late in round number seven. And then you look at, at Nazi Johnson out of Marshall. Uh, another safety, a guy that has pretty good range. He can play nickel, free safety, corner a little bit. 6'2", 189 pounds. You know, he, he's tall, he's long, he's lean. Uh, so, you know, another guy who's you know probably going to need to uh, show up on, on special teams to really solidify a roster spot. Which takes us to the LA Chargers. And you know, when you look at KC, they really focused on the secondary. Why? Because you have Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and hey, guess what? Now you have Russell Wilson added to the AFC West. I mean, this is just really murderer's row. And when you look at what what, what the Chargers did, on day three, they actually took two corners, In Jassir Taylor out of Wake Forest, Dean Leonard out of Ole Miss, Jassir Taylor, a veteran corner, 58 games played for the the Demon Deacons, he's a little on the smaller side, but excellent ball skills, Uh, and then Dean Leonard was a guy that I thought really emerged this past season, Uh, a six-foot corner, really good speed, um, decent ball skills, but to intercept the pass in his two seasons there at Ole Miss. Um, so he's a guy that's really going to have to battle to, to make a roster spot because when you look at that that, that cornerback's position for the, the Chargers, uh, you already have J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel, and, and Michael Davis. So you're looking, I, I think, Jasir Taylor Taylor get into that conversation as that, that fourth corner, and I think Dean Leonard is really going to have to show that, that he has the ball skills required to, to take that on. Moving back to, to the first round and at 17th overall pick, I'll tell you, I was expecting them to look Trevor Penning. And Trevor Penning actually was on the board when the Chargers were drafting because Storm Norton, man, he got beat up, you know, uh, you know, the, the sacks, the penalties, it, it just really started adding up on that right side, just really struggled. And so you're expecting them to take Trevor Penning, but they also need a guard. They have Matt Filer, uh, they're at one guard spot, but hey, you know what, they need another guard. And so that's really where Zion Johnson actually made a lot of sense. And I don't know why I didn't really look in that direction uh, as I was putting together my mock draft, but it makes a lot of sense. Zion Johnson could be a day-one starter at right guard because you got Filer at left guard, uh, Rashawn Slater, obviously the the all-pro left tackle, Corey Lindsley at center – Zion Johnson gives you five-position versatility. can play any of the positions on the line. I I wouldn't rule out Zion Johnson taking over for Storm Norton at right tackle if if things get ugly. Uh, Another guy that they took in round number six is Jamari Sawyer, another one of those guys who played tackle in college but projects inside a guard. I'll tell you what, with with Jamari Sawyer, what's interesting about him, he's 6'3", 321 pounds. Um, He looks like a guard. You just look at his body type. But... I thought that the movement skills, that especially what he showed against Aiden Hutchinson and uh, and Will Anderson down the stretch, this was a guy who actually showed some pretty good foot speed. You know, surprisingly good foot speed for a guy that really projects inside a guard. So he's another guy that's going to give you that, that versatility. I think when you're talking about the Chargers, at the end of the day, I think they're going to be putting in their top five offensive lineman Zion Johnson just really a heady player very intelligent instinctive football player high football IQ Um, so I think at the end of the day what you're going to see is Slater Filer Lindsley, Johnson and Sawyer in some variety there that's going to be what's going to be interesting is is exactly how that's going to be playing out in LA round number five you get Otito Obanaya uh, at of UCLA, a big defensive tackle. This dude's huge, 6'4", 324 pounds. He's physical at the point of attack, heavy-handed, uh, very physical at the point of attack. And look, this is the team that was worst against the run. You already brought in Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day in free agency. I think Obanaya has a really good chance to uh, get in and, and make some, you know, make some noise and. and challenge for a a starting spot early. Jerry Tillery's been an underwhelming first-round pick coming out of Notre Dame. so I I think Obanaya, battling these guys up front, there's a good chance we'll see him at some point taking over that nose tackle position. Uh, The last pick there in in round number seven for the Chargers was Xander Horvath. Xander Horvath, you know, played at Purdue, and this guy was a really hard-nosed runner. The problem was, was he just couldn't stay healthy, he couldn't stay on the field for the Boilermakers. 6'3", 230 pounds, over a thousand yards rushing, uh, 62 receptions in his four years at at Purdue. But the concern is, is really his health. But I think ultimately, if he can stay healthy, I think he will supplant, uh, you know, Gabe Neighbors there uh, at that fullback fullback position. Uh, I did skip a couple of guys there. Uh, in round number three, JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor. And when you look at the safety position, you have Nasir Adderley, you have Derwin James, but again, we were talking about uh, the, the quarterbacks in the AFC West. Obviously, there's also Patrick Mahomes. And when you look at this group, and you're talking about that safety position, you're going to need that third safety. And with JT Woods, what you have is another real long, lean guy. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. A guy that's Uh, has pretty good ball skills. I think that's one of the things that kind of jumped out. He he does a really good tracking the ball, uh, plays well over the top, nine interceptions since the start of 2020, um, provides really good depth on the back end. I thought it was a little early for him, um, but at the same time, this was a guy, especially down the stretch for Baylor, making a lot of plays on the football. So um, I think that was a decent pickup. Plus, you know, a guy that tall uh, shows up at the combine, ends up running a 4 3, 6 40 39-and-a-half inch vertical leap. So the explosiveness is absolutely there for JT Woods. And then they get a running back in round number four in Isaiah Spiller, a guy who I thought had a chance to even be a second round pick. Uh, when you look at Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, what you didn't have was is that physicality, a physical back who can run between the tackles. Isaiah Spiller is a guy that's able to do that. Not great top-end speed, but really tough, especially between the tackles. He can make you miss in the hole, has a decent burst uh, coming off the line as well. Uh, Decent receiver, uh, natural pass catcher with his hands, so uh, a guy who I think is going to end up backing up Austin Eckler there in L.A. when it's all said and done. You move on to the las vegas raiders and again we're staying in the afc west and when you look at the las vegas raiders obviously we know that they didn't have any picks in the first two uh rounds of the draft largely because of the Devontae adams trade when you get a guy like Devonte adams who moves the needle look you're willing to go ahead and give up a couple of those, those draft picks right and so when you look at the raiders and you look at what they did in round number three the 26th pick in the third round they take dylan parham Guard slash center. Uh, when you look at this offensive line, um, you have you know Jermaine uh, Elumoner and you have Denzel Good at the guard position, along with with John Simpson and Alex Bars. I, I think you know when you look at that depth, uh, you know these are guys that. I think Parham could come in and battle them for a starting spot, but I really think what Parham is going to be there for is targeting that pivot, taking over that center spot from Andre James. I think that's ultimately where Dylan Parham is going to fit in for the Raiders. Round number four was kind of a curious pick. They took Zamir White, uh, the running back there, out of Georgia. I think ultimately what they're looking at is you know a lot of expiring contracts in this running back group, but you have Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden. I know that they, they didn't uh, take the the option for, for Josh Jacobs. So, you know, that is something that they could be considering and looking at Zamir White potentially taking this over. But, you know, I was expecting to see them really target that linebacker position. I know that they brought in Jayon Brown to, to team with, with Denzel Perryman, but I really wanted to see them attack. That that linebacker position, and we just didn't see that. We did see the pass rush, obviously, with with Chandler Jones coming in. That was huge. They also brought in Kyler Fackrell as well, coming off the edge. Um, That really uh, gives them some explosiveness uh, to team with Max Crosby, especially because Cleveland furrell has been a bust to this point. Um, But Zamir White, I think you're going to get a guy who has, you know, he's good, you know, good physicality, six foot, two hundred fourteen pounds. You know, he he's pretty elusive. Um, can make you miss in the hole. Pretty shifty, um, but not 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 a ton of speed. You know, coming out of the backfield, wasn't really used as the pass catcher there at Georgia. It was more more so James Cook. Um, Day three, you know, it it continues with with Neil Farrell out of LSU, the big nose tackle, 6'4", 330 pounds. And I think when you look at this, Jonathan Hankins was re-signed, but I think you're really looking at the future. Um, I think Farrell can come in, ultimately battle uh, Andrew Billings for a starting spot. In round five, I really like this pick. Excellent value getting a guy like Matthew Butler, a guy who I think can uh, be an interior pass rusher for them. When you look at their their 34 defense, I think that, that Matthew Butler is going to be a nice rotational piece with Bill, uh, Bilal Nichols and Vernon Butler. Has a chance to end up starting when it's all said and done. I think he has enough length uh, to be a, a, a 34 DN. Um, I think he has really good hands. Um, you know, excellent body control as well. So that's that's a nice pick there. Uh, excellent value. Round seven, Thayer Munford. Here's another guy who played both tackle and guard. Projects inside to guard. Uh, really long arms. Uh, you know, he's six six, and uh, you know when you look at Mumford, not only is he six six and 328 pounds with 35 and 8 inch arms. Uh, Ran a 5'3", 9'40", so he's he's a bit of a a guy, you know, heavy-footed dude, but, you know, he's a wide body guy. Really, when he moved inside to guard, um, that really looks to be his home, Um, so he's a depth piece there. And then, round seven, they draft Britton Brown out of UCLA. Uh, This was kind of a curious pick for me. Uh, I thought there were some other running backs that were out there that they could have targeted. We'll be talking about them as we look at the undrafted free agents. Britton Brown really wasn't the best running back even on the roster there at UCLA. It was Zach Charbonnet, who will be talking about for next year's draft Uh, so he's a guy that I think with that loaded backfield Amir Abdullah by the way is also in that backfield so a lot of heads there Uh, you know Britton Brown's really gonna have to work hard to even make the practice squad Uh, so then we move on to the Miami Dolphins and again here's a team with very few draft picks and that's because of the Tyreek Hill trade so again you know you move on from the Raiders to Miami Making huge deals for that receiver, and I mean, when you got Tyree Kill, you also have uh, Jalen Waddle, and you have uh, you know Cedric Wilson, who you picked up from Dallas. You're not going to need a receiver. You're not going to draft a receiver, right? wrong. Round number four, the 20th pick in round four, they use it on uh, Eric Azukama, 6'2", 209, a guy who really grew into his frame. A guy that I think is a good downfield threat, excellent body control on those 50-50 balls and the back shoulder throws. Uh, so he gives you, you know, a, a bigger receiver, bigger target, you know, a guy that I think you know could end up taking that roster spot away from Preston Williams because these guys are, are similar players. But their first pick in the draft, uh, was late on on day two in the third round there and they take Chan- uh, Channing Tyndall. Uh, the 6'2, 230-pound linebacker out of Georgia, and look, you know, the Dolphins—they they struggled uh, against the run. They struggled mightily against the run. So you, when you're looking at Channing Tindall, I think he's going to compete with Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker uh, for a starting spot there, uh, at inside linebacker. Uh, they have a, have you know Sam McWain, they have Duke Riley, but what you're getting with Channing Tindall is excellent speed, sideline to sideline, a guy you can also get after the quarterback. And when you look at Channing Tindall and you look at uh, you know his production. I think that's one of the things that really speak, you know, speaks to me when when I'm trying to evaluate him um, as a p- potential uh, draft pick at the next level. Channing Tindall could be a much better pro than he was in college, especially in terms of his his productivity. Because this was a guy in 2021, and he wasn't a starter. 67 tackles, seven and a half going for loss, five and a half sacks. You know, a guy who has that speed to be able to fly around to the football. I really like that pick. That's great value in round number three. Round seven, they get another guy who can get after the quarterback and Cameron Good out of out of Cal. And this was a guy, look, he's just a couple of years removed from just a dynamic season for the uh, for the Golden Bears. Uh, you know, Good is a guy who, who can get after the quarterback. He's 6'2, 240 pounds. And I mentioned that season that he had in uh, in 2019. This was a guy, look, you know, 14 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, also a guy, he has nine pass breakups in his career, really just battling some injuries. So, you know, if he can stay healthy, this is a guy that I think can provide some good depth as a, at that pass rushing position, because you're looking at Jalen Phillips, who needs to really take that next step forward. You have Andrew Van Ginkle as well, but I think, you know, Cameron Good. Battling Brendan Scarlett, battling Darius Hodge for that backup role. I think he'll be a nice rotational piece. Then Skylar Thompson, the quarterback in round number seven. And this is the thing that's really weird. You look at the quarterback's position and the you know, the, the guys who aren't the most athletic uh, but very cerebral, those are the guys that are going to get selected. But you've got the, the linebacker position, guys that need to fly around. You're seeing guys that are drafted more so on potential at that linebacker spot versus guys who are instinctive high football IQ. They're just not the best athlete. So it's just kind of interesting you look at the different dynamic there based on the different positions. Skyler Thompson, a guy who I think can make some plays outside the pocket, doesn't have the best arm. I don't look at him as, as a tremendous athlete by any means. 6'2", 217 pounds. Uh, this is going to be a guy, when you look at you know Tua, you got Teddy Bridgewater, Skyler is probably going to end up being your number three quarterback. But hey, you know, in round number seven, you're bound to, to take a quarterback late. Uh, so not a bad value when it's all said and done. you to get a guy who I think you know is an intelligent quarterback, but uh, you know I, I don't know that he'll be on the roster more than a couple of years. Uh, Minnesota, look, I, I thought Minnesota had a great draft. Uh, I like what they did with a lot of their picks. Uh, they trade back. You know, I, I thought that there was a chance that maybe they could end up targeting um, you know Jordan Davis possibly, uh, but ultimately they trade out of that that 12 spot. They they get all the way down to to 32. Detroit Lions end up taking, uh, you know, Jamison Williams. So Minnesota at 32 overall, I I thought they were going to target a corner and a safety at some point. And I I just, I wasn't expecting to see Andrew Booth on the board in round number two. Um, But in round one, they end up taking Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Uh, The free safety, he's going to be playing right next to Harrison Smith. I like this pick. This is a guy that's going to fly around to the football. I think he'll compliment Harrison uh, Smith very well. I mentioned round two, Andrew Booth Jr. This this guy, he plays the cornerback position like a receiver. I love the body control, the ball skills. Uh, you know, A guy who you know, battled some injuries, and so I think that's why he may have fallen out of round number one. But I think this is a guy who's going to battle Cam Dantzler for a starting spot right away. You have Patrick Peterson on the roster. I think the the, the the depth is there now at that cornerback position, and I think the future is going to be bright uh, for Dansler and Booth. Uh, they also end up taking a Caleb Evans out of Missouri in round number four. A physical corner, he's 6 very long. And I remember when he played at Tulsa before he transferred to Mizzou, uh, taking on the likes of Tylen Wallace. Uh, what he loved to do, he and both uh, you know Ali Green the fourth, who's still there at Mizzou, uh, they love to jam him and drive him. All the way to the sideline really got physical i think that's one of the things you're going to see out of a caleb evans Um, round number two their second pick in round two uh, 27 overall they take ed ingram out of lsu i was kind of surprised um, that they ended up going ed ingram because they had some other guys that were valued ahead of him however this is a guy who's going to be a rogue grader it's going to be nice for, for dalvin cook especially because when he gets out and pulls it's like a bowling ball you know rolling you know rolling down the alley Uh, He's just going to light people up. Um, And so when you already have Darisaw and and O'Neal at the tackle positions, you've got Cleveland and and Bradbury there on the interior. Eddie Ingram's going to give you some physicality, some much needed physicality. A lot of guys that I think are very athletic, more um, finesse type players. Eddie Ingram's going to get some nastiness to that offensive line, much needed. Round number three, one of the best values I think is Brian Asamoah um, out of Oklahoma. Uh, look, you know they brought in Jordan Hicks. Uh, to team up with, with Eric Kendricks. I think Eric Kendricks is starting to, to show his age a little bit. And so he's a guy that I think Brian Osamo is going to end up taking over that starting spot for Eric Kendricks in a couple of years. Six foot, 226 pounds. Um, yes, he's undersized, but, man, he, he flies around to the football, does an excellent job slipping blocks, can play sideline to sideline, explosive, uh, excels dropping into coverage as well. Really a great value, a guy that I thought could come off the board in round two. Second pick in round number three, Minnesota. Excellent job there. Round five, they take Esezi Atomewo uh, out of uh, Minnesota. They needed to, to address the, the line up front. You've got Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, and likely Armand Watts as your starters, but you need depth pieces there. I think uh, you know is going to end up battling uh, Jalen Twyman uh, for that backup spot there to Harrison Phillips at the end position. And then you get Tyler, Tyler Chandler, uh, Ty Chandler there in round number five. Uh, at the running back position out of uh, North Carolina 511 204 um, you know he, he's explosive uh, a, a guy who you know I, I thought was just an average running back in Tennessee shows up at North Carolina goes over a thousand yards able to showcase more of that speed and, and so I, I just I look at the pick it's a little curious to me because um, you've got dalvin cook you have alexander madison you have kenny Wongwu. um so I, i just don't know where he fits into the plan That that was kind of a bit of a head scratcher for me, especially in round number five. I thought they could uh, address that line again, potentially another uh, pass rusher to team up with Zadaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. Uh, Then you get to round number six, uh, and you have Vidarian Lowe out of Illinois. Uh, You know, a guy, you know, they stay in Big Ten country. 6'5, 314 pounds. He's big, got long arms, but not really overwhelming when you watch his tape. You know a guy who I think is going to end up having to battle you know, Blake Brandle and uh, Oli Udo uh, for a backup spot, but I think that's really where there isn't a ton of depth at that at the tackle position. So I think there's a chance that Vidarian Lowe could end up finding a spot uh, on the roster. Uh, you know with Low, you know again six five three fourteen, but really long arms, thirty five and three eighths inch arms, and these giant hands, ten and three eighths inch hands. Uh, so a dude, once he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. Round number six, I thought this was really good value getting Jalen Naylor, a thousand-yard receiver. You're looking at, at out of Michigan State, shifty, explosive, a vertical threat. You've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Ola BC Johnson, Amir Smith Marset. I think when you look at Jalen Naylor, he and Smith Marset are going to kind of battle to be that vertical threat. If you're going to take six wideouts, you know, I, I think Naylor uh, you know has a chance to make this roster. Uh, and then round seven, this was kind of a curious pick. They ended up taking Nick Muse out of South Carolina, a guy who you know, showed promise as a receiver. Look, he's 6'5", 249 pounds, good hands, decent speed. But, but the problem with him was just really the lack of uh, consistency at that position. So that was one of the things that I thought was really frustrating was you're expecting to see a little bit more out of him. And really at that tight end position, uh, you know, Jalen Weidermeyer was out there. Derek Deese Jr., uh, you know, and a couple of other guys. Even Chase Allen, uh, Garrett Prince out of out of UAB. So some other guys that I probably would have targeted at that position before I would have taken Nick Muse. But look, that's okay. I, I really like what Minnesota did on the first part of that draft, which takes us to the New England Patriots. And and look, this was probably the. Some of the biggest head scratchers of the uh, of the three days of the draft, and it really started there with the 29th overall pick. You, you trade down, and you end up taking Cole Strange, a guard out of Chattanooga, who I think everyone was expecting to still be on the board in round number two. Um, a, a guy, look, he's a throwback. He's a nasty dude, um, you know, and. You know, physical at the point of attack, a guy that can play both guard and center. And so I think Bill Belichick looking to immediately upgrade that guard position, a guy who can come in and replace Shaq Mason, uh, but I think is also long term can end up replacing uh, David Andrews there at that center spot. So it gives him some versatility there at the position, but again, could have been taken in round number two. And then in round two, you target a receiver. And look, I was expecting them to do that. Get a vertical threat. You've got Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar. None of these guys are really going to take the top off of a defense, really scare you getting vertical. And so you get really the fastest guy at the combine at the receiver position in Taekwon Thornton, who ran a 4.2840 at 6.2 and 181 pounds. I know at Baylor he had 62 receptions, 948 yards, intense touchdowns for the Baylor Bears. But look, this was the guy who I was expecting to, to still be there um, on, on day number three. And when you look at that wide wide receiver position, there were a lot of other guys that were on the board that you would have expected to come off the board sooner. Um, so I, I know that they were targeting the speed, and that's really, I think, what they, were, what they were looking for. But look, you've got George Pickens who came off the board just two picks later. Right after that was Alex Pierce. You know, and, and when you're talking about Alec uh, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, you know, Alec Pierce ran a 4'4'140 4, 4, at 6'3 and 211 pounds, and you know, very explosive, 40 and a half inch vertical leap, and you know, was more of a proven commodity there at Cincinnati. Same goes for Sky Moore. We've already talked about him. All those guys came off the board right after Tyquan Thornton. So. Really a shocker that they went Taequann Thornton there, a guy, like I said, I think everyone was expecting to still be there on day number three. And it kind of is reminiscent of that 2020 draft, right, with with the New England Patriots. You know, if I take you back there, that's when they drafted both Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche um, at that outside linebacker position to give them some additional explosiveness and pass rush. Those guys so far have combined for just four sacks. Anthony Jennings didn't play at all in 2021. They also doubled up at the tight end position, looking to try to capture lightning in a bottle again with you know, getting those, those two tight ends to mirror what they had with, with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. They end up bringing in uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, a couple of guys who really haven't made much of an impact at all in New England. So, really, you know, again, another round of just curious picks um, on the front end of the draft. You know, those tight ends ultimately, because they didn't pan out, resulted in, in Bill Belichick, you know, last offseason targeting Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. So it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. Can we get some additional, uh, you know, some more explosiveness there on the front end of that draft? Round number three, they get. I, I think a great pick, and Marcus Jones out of Houston, a guy who uh, really put everything together as a senior at Houston. You know, he, he played uh, initially at Troy, ended up transferring to the the Houston Cougars, and I think Marcus Jones is known for his kick return and punt return ability. Nine kicks that he's returned, for touchdown. But you know, at corner. Five interceptions, 13 pass breakups. So this is a guy who I think, again, great pick. You've got Jonathan Jones who's starting to get up there in age at that nickel spot. I think Marcus Jones will ultimately take over that starting spot when it's all said and done. Round four, I thought there was a big reach for Jack Jones uh, out of Arizona State. If you'll remember, this was a guy who actually went to USC and uh, basically... Deemed himself the Heisman Trophy winner. He was going to win the Heisman Trophy uh, coming out of Long Beach Poly. And, you know, there was all this this big hoopla. And there was the video uh, that he released on social media when he announced everything. So, obviously, a big surprise there. Uh, did have four interceptions there with the Trojans. Um, so, that was something that I think really uh, kind of... Ignited things for his career starting out, but you know, this is a guy who he's a gambler. He takes a lot of chances, gets his eyes into the backfield, gets lost a lot. Um, did end up with with uh, ten interceptions in his career, twenty six total pass breakups. So the ball skills, I think, something that jumps out. They, they needed a corner. And uh, when you have Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills, Terrence Mitchell, they needed to get another corner in there to replace J.C. Jackson. And, again, I thought there were other corners out there that they could have targeted before Jack Jones, a guy that I really had coming off the board later on day three. I wasn't as high on him as some other people. Um, But I love their pick, their second pick in round number four, the 22nd pick uh, to start off day number three. And uh, it's Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State you know this was an explosive guy well over a thousand yards on the year you've got these bigger physical guys and uh, damian harris and, and Ramondre stevenson and what pierre strong has given you is some of that versatility a guy who can be a weapon coming out of the backfield as a receiver he's 5'11 207 um when you saw him in the east west shrine bowl you saw the speed the explosiveness, the acceleration. Ran a 4-3-7-40 at the Combine, so that really checks the box. Uh, a guy who I think can be dynamic and could potentially be a steal for them. Uh, a guy who I think is going to take over that receiver spot from, from James White for the Patriots. Round four, they ended up taking Bailey Zappi out of West, Western Kentucky. And look, I, I think there, there's kind of that, that trend. You know, you've got you know Mac Jones, you've got Brian Hoyer, now Bailey Zappi. Guys who have good but not great arms. Very intelligent quarterbacks, not the best athletes in the world, but I think this is the guy who will end up taking over for Brian Hoyer as the backup for Mac Jones. Uh, round five, they take Kevin Harris. You know, a uh, uh, running back. He reminds me so much of Ramondre Stevenson because of the fact that he's a guy that you know is a um, he runs between the tackles. He's 5'10", 221 pounds, led the SEC in rushing. Then he has off-season back surgery. And then 2021, really couldn't get things going. Uh, Very instinctive inside runner. um, But he's so much like Ramondre Stevenson. I thought it was kind of a curious pick, um, you know, doubling up at the running back position. You know, it just seemed a little odd to me. Round six, they get Sam Roberts out of Northwestern. I'm sorry, Northwest Missouri State, 6'5", 292. This dude, 18 tackles for loss and 47 tackles. I'm sorry. 18 tackles for loss last year, 47 in his career, Uh, and a guy that, look, when you look at this line, um, they've got Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Henry Anderson, I think Sam Roberts is the guy that can end up moving into this rotation. That could be a sneaky good pick there um, with a 22nd pick in round number six. Ten picks later, they get Jason Hines out of LSU, uh, a guard. Uh, Again, you already took Cole Strange. Uh, I think this is a a pick that basically tells you that I I think Cole Strange will ultimately kick inside to that center spot and take over for for David Andrews. Then they get Andrew Stuber out of Michigan there in round number seven, 6'7", 325 pounds. Uh, He's big. He's physical. Um, he, he, He could Play guard, but I think he'll be that backup for Trent Brown at that right tackle position when it's all said and done. So, doubled up yet again on corners, running backs, and guards. Um, you know, I hope that this draft pans out a lot better uh, for the Patriots than what we saw there in the 2020 draft. Which takes us to New Orleans, and I'll tell you what, New Orleans. At one point, I actually had both Chris Olave and Trevor Penning mocked to them in round number one. Ultimately, I, I-, I thought that. Penning was going to be their their target with their first pick, so I ended up having Olave come off the board uh, to to the Chargers there at 17. Um, but what you have with with Olave, what was interesting was they they traded up once with, with Philly, and you know they ended up giving up a first round pick. Then they trade up again to to the number 11 overall selection to then ultimately take Chris Olave. So. You know, a lot of draft capital given up, so uh, they're they're thinking really highly of Chris Olave. Six foot, 187 pounds. The guy, look, he's explosive. He's dynamic. Ran that unofficial 4-2-6 that wound up being a 4-3-9-40 at the combine. Uh, a vertical threat. A guy that you know, those routes he's able to separate vertically. I think would be a nice compliment to uh, to to Michael Thomas. I thought this was a great fit for them. So I'm not. Upset with the pick. I was just more disappointed with just how much they gave up to get him. But again, uh, Jameis Winston's going to have a, a nice weapon there on the outside, a vertical threat that'll team nicely with Michael Thomas. Then you get Trevor Penning. Uh, They're at 19. And, and look, they still ended up getting their, their offensive tackle. And what you get with Penning is the big physical dude who's going to throw people all over the yard. I think Alvin Kamara is going to love running behind this guy. Uh, you know, 6'7, 325. Uh, the big issue for him is getting that pad level a little bit lower. He needs to clean up the hand work, uh, the hand usage and the footwork. Um, but when you look at, at that left tackle position, Teron Armstead's in Miami now. They needed that left tackle. They weren't going to get one of the top three tackles in the draft. So ultimately, they end up getting Trevor Penning there. Makes a lot of sense. Round two, they get Elante Taylor, a corner slash safety. Um, an explosive guy. I think that's one of the things that uh, you definitely saw at the combine. Ran that 4'3'6'40 at six foot and 199 pounds. A guy who has good ball skills. Um, you know, a, a guy I think could play safety at the next level. Um, you know, especially with with Marcus Williams being signed away. They did bring in uh, Marcus May to take over that spot. They also brought in you know Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen. So I think Taylor gives you some positional versatility. He could play. Safety, um, but I think at that cornerback position, you've got Paulson Adebo, you've got Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner Johnson is likely going to be your nickel. So I think Alante Taylor kind of fits in with PJ Williams as kind of that, that number four corner, basically that number three corner on the outside. Um, you know, I, I I thought that was a little early for him as well, expecting him to really come off the board in the third round. Uh, Round 5, I really like this pick. I think DeMarco Jackson is going to be a guy that's going to end up taking over for uh, DeMario Davis when it's all said and done. 6'1", 233 pounds, flew around to the football. Look, uh, this dude had 120 tackles, uh, 19 tackles for loss, 6 sacks, Six passes defended, um, just flies around to the football. Very instinctive, you know. Plays pretty well uh, as an you know as an open field tackler, sideline to sideline ability. Can get after the quarterback and drop into coverage. Uh, I just like the pick, you know. And I think he'll fit in very well as an eventual replacement, like I said, for Davis. And then round six, they end up getting Jordan Jackson out of Air Force, another guy who I think could get uh, you know put some pressure on the quarterback when when. You're looking at at Alante Taylor there in round number two. The reason why I was a little bit surprised uh, with that selection was I was actually expecting them to go with a defensive tackle. When you look at that tackle position in uh, New Orleans, Daniel Onyemata, Shy Suttle, you know, Ken, uh, Street, Malcolm Roach, you know, just doesn't strike fear in in opposing def- in opposing offenses. You know, I-, I think they really needed to go after a guy like Perrion Winfrey. That was what I was kind of expecting them to do. We didn't see them do that. They end up getting Jordan Jackson there in round number six. They had to get at least a, at least one defensive tackle, so they do target him. And look, this is a guy who can get after the quarterback. You know, he's 6'5", 294 pounds, and put together a nice career uh, there with the Falcons. 27 tackles for loss, 12.5 sacks. Uh, Could be a guy I think he needs to put on a little bit more weight. Um, but a guy that I think could end up being a, a presence there uh, at the defensive tackle position as an interior pass rusher. That's going to end up giving Cameron Jordan, uh, Marcus Davenport some some assistance there. Uh, but again, would have liked to have seen them target a guy like Perrion Winfrey. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how uh, this draft plays out in the next couple of years for the Saints. The Giants look... I thought they hit a home run in round one. There were some questionable picks after that. So I, I don't have them slated in my top two or three. But again, I love their first two picks because, look, they took Kayvon Thibodeau at five and Evan Neal at seven. So not only did they target both of their, their key needs at the top of the draft, but they also got two guys who, going into the draft pre-draft process, everyone was talking about as potentially the top two uh, prospects. Ultimately, Aiden Hutchinson surged ahead of, of Kayvon Thibodeau uh, and then you also have Evan Neal on the outside. Was he number one or number two at that tackle position? Obviously, you know, Ike Iquan, ended up getting drafted number six, Evan Neal number seven. With Kayvon Thibodeau you team him with Aziz Ojulari on the outside. Look, they needed to get some pass rush help. Uh, you only have, you know, Leonard Williams there at the defensive end position to help him out so I love this pickup and with Thibodeau He's not a guy that's going to give you a ton of bend coming off the edge, but explosive with that, that first step. Very heavy-handed, and once he flattens out, he's going to he's going to get to the quarterback in a hurry. I love the effort. People didn't said that his motor ran hot and cold. I didn't really see that. I saw a guy who played with a lot of effort. He, he worked hard to get to the quarterback, chasing down running backs from behind. Loved to, to see that the motor just never stopped running. And look, this was a guy who was batting, battling an injury. Everyone forgot about the fact that he had that ankle injury against Fresno State. I don't think he was 100% for much of the season. And then you get Evan Neal at seven. You have to keep Daniel Jones upright. Daniel Jones, you've already declined the fifth year. If he does not pan out this season, then ultimately you're targeting a quarterback in a quarterback-friendly 2023 draft. And with Evan Neal, though, played left tackle this past season for Bama, but his best tape was at right tackle. You put him opposite Andrew Thomas. You have two first-round bookend tackles for Daniel Jones. Keep him in the pocket and see what happens. Round two, they end up taking Wondell Moore, uh, the receiver out of Kentucky. And this pick, it wasn't a bad pick, per se, because look, this is a guy who had 1,300 yards receiving uh, for Kentucky after transferring from Nebraska. But it's just a curious pick because you still have Kadarius Tony on the roster, and it feels like Wandale Moore is a lot like Kadarius Tony. You also have Sterling Shepard, uh, Richie James on the roster as well. So it just feels like a lot of the same guy on this roster. You have Kenny Galladay, who's a bigger receiver, and Darius Slayton is kind of a bigger uh, vertical threat. Um, but you have a lot of these the smaller guys, um, dynamic uh, playmakers. But but. Again, they're, they're smaller receivers, and I thought Wondell Moore was probably going to come off the board, really on, uh, you know, in the third round uh, at some point. So that was kind of a, a surprise for me. and When you look at Wondell Moore, uh, you know, you're talking about six wide receivers taken in round number one, and then Wondell Moore with that 11th pick in, in round number two was wide receiver number eight. So that was ahead of John Mechie, Tyquan Thornton, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. Really shocked that that he was the guy that, that they called. If you're looking for a guy that was going to be a vertical threat, I thought they were going to go after John Mechie. Um, you know, George Pickens. You know, is, is similar to what you have there with, with Kenny Galladay. Uh, but Sky Moore, I thought would have been a, a better selection as well. So really a curious pick there for me, just because you know, of the value and just the fit. I know that they're trying to get rid of Kadarius Tony. Um, so just kind of an interesting. Uh, selection there you continue that with with uh, joseph azudu out of north carolina uh, a big physical guard looking six four three oh eight uh, but it, again the value i had him coming off the board middle of day number three so another head scratcher there but this is a guy who's going to end up battling uh, shane lemieux and mark Lewinsky for a starting spot what's interesting is his teammate the other guard uh, Marcus McKeith and taking in round number five. I thought this was going to be a guy who was going to have to really, you know, hope that he could get drafted uh, potentially round number seven or, or a priority free agent. But look, I know the Giants need some help there along the interior of that line. Uh, Max Garcia was brought in uh, to, to help there with Glowinski with as well. Um, Shane Lemieux uh, really fighting for his life as the starter there at left guard. They brought in John Feliciano to play the center spot. So these two guys are going to be depth pieces. They must really have liked what they saw uh, out of the run game there for, for North Carolina. But again, really a head-scratcher for me. Uh, Cordell Flott out of LSU, 6'1", 175 pounds. This is a guy who... Um, you know has a, a pretty high ceiling I think he you only know, he has decent ball skills um, you know a sticky type of a type of guy only one interception in his career there at LSU um, but you know with James Bradbury now being released you've got a Dory Jackson and Aaron Robinson as your starters I I honestly thought that they should have targeted a corner in round number two. Uh, there were some other guys on the board that they could have targeted earlier. Uh, round three, look, I, I knew that they needed to go tight end because Ricky Seals-Jones replacing Evan Ingram wasn't going to move the needle. They got my sleeper and Daniel Bellinger. This is a guy, look, he ran in the four sixes at the combine, uh, was primarily a blocker uh, for San Diego State, but a guy who i th- watching him when he caught passes in their passing game and when you saw him, uh, at the combine, really a natural pass catcher. I think he's gonna be a better better receiver in the pros than he was at San Diego State, just basically because he wasn't asked to do it a lot. And, and that reminds me a lot of George Kittle. And I'm not saying that Daniel Bellinger is near the athlete that George Kittle is because George Kittle ran a four five one, but the receiving skills um, are absolutely there. 31 catches, 357 yards, and two touchdowns in his final season there with the Aztecs. And if you talk about George Kittle, what did he do when he came out of out of Iowa? His final year there with the Hawkeyes, George Kittle, uh, 22 receptions, 314 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, so when you look at that, you know George Kittle came off the board in round number five, number 146 overall. Daniel Bellinger off the board with the seventh pick in round number four. I you know I'm not trying to say that he's the next George Kittle by any means, but just trying to draw some parallels there. You know, it just it feels like you know this could be the, the sleeper of, of the draft at that tight end position. Uh, moving on, Dame Belton, the safety out of Iowa, 6'1, 205, linebacker safety, combo for them reminds me a lot of Amani Hooker. I like that pick for uh, for the Giants. They have Julian Love and Xavier McKinney. I think Dame Belton could potentially work his way in there. Um, Micah McFadden in round five out of Indiana Um, a little bit high you know there for me at 6'1 240 pounds but look this guy was a leader there for Indiana a guy that I thought you know I I think ultimately he could end up sneaking in to that starting spot opposite uh, you know Blake Martinez you know Tate Crowder Carter Coughlin you know what I like about McFadden you know look he picked off four passes 8 pass breakups a guy that I think does a really good job getting after the quarterback as well an instinctive guy Sneaky, sneaky smart. Um, you know, just a little bit high in terms of, of where they took him off the board. You know, third pick in round number five, but I'm not going to hate him for that. Um, they take DJ Davidson out of Arizona State. The nose tackle, big physical dude, 6'3", 327 pounds. Guy that's going to be a space eater. He'll be the backup for Justin uh, Ellis there at nose tackle. And then in round six, they get Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. I'm a big fan of his, 6'4", 237. Um, I thought a lot of uh, Zaven Collins vibes. With him. Um, Beavers, look, he and Micah McFadden are going to give some depth there at that inside linebacker position. Uh, and with Beavers, you got a guy who can play sideline to sideline, can get after the quarterback a little bit, he can drop into coverage as well. Um, so I think that's really good value there in round number six, which takes us to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Philadelphia, look, you know, I, tremendous job overall for them. Why? Well, they make a trade. They end up getting a number one wide out for Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown to team with Devontae Smith, their number one uh, pick from a season ago. And and so ultimately they, they trade that, that 19th overall pick to get A.J. Brown. And I love the, the ability to go ahead and get this done love the pick um so then you look at, at jordan davis there uh in round one you know number 13 overall we know the physical specimen that jordan davis is 6'6 341 pounds ran into the four sevens uh, a, a guy that people are concerned about his conditioning when i look at him you team him up with fletcher cox you want to be able to help that pass rush you know Derek barnett's brought back you got brandon graham uh, Josh Sweat as well. So really what you're getting is a guy that can hopefully collapse the pocket from within. Very athletic. Can chase down ball carriers. I actually like the pick for Philly up front. In round two, you get Cam Jurgens, uh, a physical uh, athletic center, a guy who was a converted tight end. 6'3", 303. He's going to be your replacement for Jason Kelsey. Love that. Round three, you get N'Kobe Dean. They need an inside linebacker. You know, you've got T.J. Edwards on the roster. Um, you bring in Hassan Reddick. You've got Kaiser White, but Nicobe Dean's the guy. Look, you know, very intelligent player. Uh, you know, he was a uh, what a uh, you know an engineering degree and a guy who you know made the teams list over and over again. I believe a 4.0 GPA. Very intelligent guy. And, uh, you know, the best blitzer in at the linebacker position in all of college football, 5'11", 229. His draft stock dropped him all the way to round three because there was that pec strain, um, and he didn't have surgery on that. And uh, so his, dra- his draft stock fell. Very, you know, Excellent value in round three, a guy that's going to end up being a team captain for him when it's all said and done. And then day three, you get Kyron Johnson out of Kansas. Um, with the second pick in round number six, and Kyron Johnson is a guy. He's he's going to be athletic. He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback. Um, you know, I thought what what he was able to give you, what you saw out of him, was um, you know some speed. Not only speed coming off the edge, but I, I liked his ability, especially you know at the Senior Bowl, with uh, being able to get underneath guys and drive people back, playing with leverage despite being undersized. Um, but look, 22 tackles for loss, you know, 12 sacks in his career. I think this is going to be a developmental, uh, situational edge rusher for them. And then in round six, you get Grant Calcaterra, you know, a, a guy who I thought was well on his way to being a, a day two pick coming out of Oklahoma. Then he has the concussions. He he retires from the game decides he wants to come back, transfers to uh, to SMU, and at 6'4", 241, a guy who can be a really good pass catcher, has excellent hands, a work in progress as a blocker, but I think he is going to be a guy that's going to end up teaming with Dallas Goddard at that tight end position. Um, Good value there um, with a 20th pick in round number six, which takes us to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and look, we knew Pittsburgh was going to end up targeting a quarterback. You know, They brought in Mitchell Trubisky who we knew was going to be more of a a you know a, a stopgap, a bridge quarterback if you will. Mason Rudolph already had the audition for that starting spot. We knew he wasn't going to be the long-term answer. And so with Kenny Pickett what you get is uh, you know really they, they know all about him. You know, he just has to, you know he played his college ball at Heinz Field, so he just has to just turn the other direction and head to the Steelers uh, locker room. But 6'3, 217, um, an accurate uh, accurate quarterback, um, you know, very quick processor as well. A lot of people want to beat him up with his inability to to play with uh, anticipation. When I saw him throwing the deep ball, I saw him throwing receivers open, you know, especially Jordan Addison. A lot of those deep, you know, those posts that you'd see him run post corners, and he was really leading that receiver, uh, so I, I thought there was the ability there. A the guy that can make some plays outside the pocket, I think, you know, really he's at his best manipulating the pocket. The problem is, is he does have a lot of happy feet that gets him into trouble, and ultimately when that happens, he ends up making some ill-advised throws. Better than average athlete, a guy, I mean, everyone remembers the slide, right? I think everybody talks about the the, the QB slide, the fake slide there against Wake Forest in the ACC championship. And look, he's an underrated uh, athlete, ran a 4'7", 340 at the Combine. Uh, yes, he's got the small hands, but look, he played at Pittsburgh. So if anybody's going to know about things in the weather and being able to play in there, you know, it's obviously going to be the Steelers. Round two, they get George Pickens out of Georgia. And yes, I know he's battling that that uh, ACL injury, but this dude, as a freshman, looked to be a, a legit first-round receiver, 6'3", 195 pounds. And look, I, I, I look at it and... He's going to be your replacement for for Juju Smith Schuster. You know, I, I think that's that's a given, and uh, you know, I think he can be a dynamic guy down the field. Tracks the ball really well. High points the football. Tremendous athlete. And uh, you know, he actually surprised me a little bit at the combine with the 40 time. Um, ended up running a 4.47. That's about where you want to be at 6'3" and 195 pounds. Um, so when I look at, at Pickens, you're going to team him up with uh, you know Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Three-ride receiver set. George Pickens is going to be a starter right away. Um, Round number three, they get Demarvin Leal, a guy at one point we were talking about as a potential top ten pick. Um, But look, you know, eight sacks out of that that defensive end, defensive tackle position, um, and a guy who I think could end up being a a decent five technique at the next level. He's got decent size to him, um, and uh, you know, six four, two hundred eighty-three pounds. But, yeah, 8.5 sacks this past season to go along with 12.5 total tackles for loss, five pass breakups in his career. Um, So, Leal, you know, when you look at that at defensive end position, um, they have Cameron Hayward, they have Stephon Tuitt. They need depth at the position. So, DeMarvin Leal, good value in round number three. Round four, you get Calvin Austin, the speedy, uh, diminutive receiver, back-to-back 1,000 yards there at Memphis. But, uh, you know, he's 5'8", 170 pounds, ran that 4'3", 240, though. And when you look at this receiving core, I mentioned the the guys that are starting. Calvin Austin's going to be, you know, a guy that can work out of the slot, get vertical, a nice weapon for whoever's going to be under center, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett. Um, Round six, you get the fullback, you get, uh, you know, Connor Hayward. You already have Derek Watt on the roster, so I think Connor Hayward's really going to be that guy to be kind of an H-back, be that third tight end in that group. But look, this guy, you know, he's going to the same team as, as his brother, uh, you know, Cameron, and uh, really. Showed off his ability to be a blocker, showed excellent hands as well. So I, I do like this pick. It was towards the end of round number six. Round seven, they end up going with Mark Robinson out of old Miss. This kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I, I didn't have Mark Robinson on my radar as a guy that was going to get drafted. An undersized linebacker, 5'11", 235 pounds, 92 tackles on the year. A guy who I think is going to end up being a special teams guy for them when it's all said and done. Um, you know, because just looking at that linebacking group, I don't know exactly where he fits in. May end up battling Ulysses Gilbert for a spot on the roster. And then at the end of round number seven, they end up taking Chris, uh, uh Ola Doken out of South Dakota state six to 195 pounds. Um, good athlete, a guy that can really extend the plays, um, you know, a, a dynamic athlete, Um, So a guy that I think is going to fill out that quarterback room. When you look at it, you've got, you know, Trubisky and Pickett, Rudolph. You don't have that Josh Dobbs athletic quarterback there in that room. So you're able to bring in Chris Oladokun to take over that role. Uh, Seattle. Seahawks sitting at number nine. Were they going to go quarterback? Were they going to potentially take a corner? Ultimately, uh, Derek Stingley and... Sauce Gardner come off the board at 3 and 4, which pushes the offensive tackles down a little bit. I thought Charles Cross could have been off the board already, but no, he was sitting right there for them. And look, when you have Dwayne Brown not signed, you needed a left tackle, and uh, ultimately they get Charles Cross, who I thought was the best uh, pure pass protector in the draft, 6'5", 307. The awareness is uncanny, his ability to pick up those those twists and stunts. Uh, So obviously going to be a day one starter at left tackle for them. And then they end up taking Boye Mafe in round number two. Um, you know, I, I thought that they needed to get some, some pass rush help. Um, they did bring in Nuchennan and Wosu uh, from USC. Um, but ultimately, when you're looking at this group, you don't have Rasheem Green. You need to get another edge rusher. You've got Daryl Taylor, you've got Alton Robinson. Maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle again. And, and Boye Mafe, who's a uh, you know a freakishly athletic dude, uh, but very raw as a pass rusher, um, a guy who I think is going to be able to get after the quarterback you know quite a bit. 6'4", 261 pounds. Um, I, I like him playing in space. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to go around in terms of the pass rush ability. I thought they were going to go corner here. You know, I, I think that's really a need that Seattle had. Coming into this draft, so that's really was the pick that I was expecting them to make in round number two. Um, if they weren't able to go corner in round one, you've got Trey Brown, Sidney Jones, Artie Burns, D.J. Reed's already gone. You know, I, I think ultimately that that was the position to target here, and ultimately that just didn't happen. But. Good value there, getting Boye Mafe in round number two. I actually had him coming off the board in round one. They double up, they get another pick in round number two. Very next pick, they get Ken Walker out of out of uh, Michigan State, a dude who, look, you know, he was looking like a guy that was going to be a late round pick coming out of Wake Forest. You know, when you think about it, in his two seasons at Wake Forest, ran for 1,158 yards. Transfers to Michigan State. And with Mel Tucker there, I mean, good Lord, rushes for over 1600 yards, 18 touchdowns uh, on, on the year as well. Ended up sixth in the Heisman voting and suddenly Kim Walker is a second round pick. And, you know, I I think when you look at Seattle, what they want to do, you've got Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, but I think Kenneth Walker gives a different dynamic. A guy who I think people weren't expecting him to run nearly as fast as he did at the combine, ran that 4, 3, 8, 40 at 5, 9, 211 pounds, excellent contact balance, but a guy who also can be a home run threat. So I love the pick there. Round three, you get your right tackle in Abraham Lucas, the guy who I think is one of the better right tackles uh, in this draft. And with Abraham Lucas, look, you know, a four-year starter there at Washington State, 6'6", 316 pounds. He's big. He's long. I think this is a guy who ultimately is going to move in there at that right tackle position. Brandon Shell, a free agent, he's going to battle Jake Perrin for that starting spot. And I think when it's all said and done, you're going to have two rookie tackles taking on th- those bookends. So it's going to be interesting there in Seattle. Round four, they finally get the corner that I was expecting. And they actually double up on the corner position. The next two picks are corners. They first get the Jim Thorpe Award winner in Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, I found out that he's wearing number eight in honor of his namesake, the late great Kobe Bryant. one, uh, 193 pounds. He's an instinctive corner. Um, does a great job reading those routes uh, in man coverage. Excellent ball skills. The guy that's going to drive on the football well is, uh, in coverage. Um, Doesn't have elite speed, but a guy who I think is still pretty darn sticky. And, uh, you know, a guy who I think also comes up and runs support really well. So I look at Kobe Bryant. I think he's a guy that's going to challenge Trey Brown and Sidney Jones for a starting spot. Then in round five, they get Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. 6'4", 205. This just felt like, you know, the Legion of Boom um, pick here with, with, uh, you know, Tariq Woolen because of that size. Converted wide out, you know, Again, 6'4 and 205 at that cornerback position, which is absolutely scary. Ran a 4'2'6'40, 42 inch vertical leap. So, yeah, you put him out there. That's going to give some really good depth at that cornerback position. So, doubling up, not going to hate on that. Then you get Tyreek Smith in round five, a guy who I thought had an up and down career there at Ohio State. Didn't really, I was expecting him to make that leap and didn't really wow you. Um, he's going to be a guy, look, you know, we named an awful lot of guys that are going to be those those pass rushers, from Taylor to Nwosu to Robinson, Mafé now. Um, so you know, Tyreek Smith has his work cut out for him to, to make this roster. Um, they end up targeting Bo Melton in round seven. They actually go receiver-receiver in round seven. With Bo Melton, you have 5'11", 189 pounds. you got DK Metcalf still on the roster, Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swain is your number three. You've got uh, D. Eskridge as well. Bo Melton's a guy who I think can end up being a, a speedy, uh, you know, inside receiver for them. Has that that gear to take it, take the top off of a defense. Then they end up going to Lenore Ryan and taking Derek Young, uh, a, a guy who I think has really good size, good speed, um, a guy that's going to be able to make those contested catches. He's the guy that I could see them stashing away on their practice squad. Which takes us to San Francisco. San Francisco without a first-round pick. So uh, with their second-round pick, they end up taking Drake Jackson out of USC. 6'3", 254 pounds. This was a guy who just was not utilized um, the way that he should have under uh, Todd Orlando. Uh, Todd Orlando had him dropping into coverage way too often. And you saw some of the athleticism. Um, with some of the plays that he was still able to make when dropping into coverage Um, a guy that really has one gear and one uh, move and that's really kind of just bending and trying to get off the edge want to see some of those counter moves built up Um, when you look at at this this group you've got d ford still on the roster you've got nick bosa obviously as your your bell cow in terms of the pass rush ability but, man, you, you need to get another edge rusher. Uh, you have Samson Ekubom, Um You have uh, Kimoko Ture as well. I think Drake Jackson is going to be a guy that uh, could end up being a situational pass rush right away and then ultimately build his way into a um, you know, pretty darn good pass rusher when it's all said and done with this unit. They get uh, Tyrion Davis-Price out of LSU, 6'211". Um, You know, this is a curious pick coming off the board in round number three. I thought this was the guy who was going to be a day three pick as well. Um, But look, you know, he's, he's six foot, 211 pounds. Ran a 44840, 40, which is surprising to me. Um, he actually weighed in at about 232 pounds, so he's actually slimmed down quite a bit. And what I really like is those running backs that do slim down; they get a lot more explosive. I remember reminds me of Kareem Hunt coming out of Toledo, how he slimmed down and was a lot more explosive. When you look at things, obviously they got Elijah Mitchell in last year's draft. I think uh, Davis Price, um, with that that size, agility, and, and that top-end speed, he could be a guy that could end up being that that backup. He's going to challenge Jeffrey Wilson. But there's also Trey Sermon uh, on the roster as well, so I think this could end up being a sneaky good selection when it's all said and done. Staying in round number three, they get Danny Gray, uh, a receiver on the outside, six foot, 188 pounds. We don't know what the long-term future is going to be for Debo Samuel there in San Francisco. Are they going to keep him? Are they going to trade him? You've got Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings. Danny Gray you know, is a track athlete, a guy that's going to get vertical. He's going to you know blow by some guys. He'll be that vertical threat that that this offense desperately needs. Um, look, Danny Gray, four three three forty 340 at the combine, a 10, 5, 9, 100 meter guy as well. Um, so that makes a lot of sense getting that speed up uh, on the outside. They, then they addressed the, the offensive line up front, getting Spencer Burford in round number four out of UTSA. And, uh, you know, again, I thought this was pretty good value, a guy that I thought had a chance to be a, a day two pick. When you look at things, you've got, you know, Daniel Brunskill and, and Aaron Banks at the guard spot. I think Spencer Burford can end up starting in this group when it's all said and done. can also provide some depth at tackle, but I think his, his home will be at guard. Samuel Womack... Um, Coming out of Toledo, 5'10, 187 pounds. He's small, but he you know he he has good speed, excellent ball skills, a guy that could potentially line up in the slot. So you're talking about you know, Emmanuel Mosley as your nickel. Samuel Womack will be his backup when it's all said and done. Um, you get Nick Zakel uh, out of uh, out of Fordham, the offensive tackle, 6'6", 316 pounds. Um, you know, athletic, uh, but he, he really struggled to anchor at the Senior Bowl, that was really the big thing, the big takeaway there. I thought he was a little overwhelmed at times. Um, you know, he's going to have to battle uh, Justin School and, and uh, Colton McKibbitts um, as the backups for Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. may end up being a guy that they end up sliding in on that practice squad when it's all said and done as well. They get Kalia Davis out of UCF up front there in round number six. 6'1", 302, good size. Able to to be disruptive in the backfield, a quick penetrator. Um, I, I think he's a guy that's going to battle Hassan Ridgeway to be that backup for uh, Javon Kinlaw at that nose tackle position. Good depth, good value. As is Tariq uh, Castro Fields at the end of round number six, six one, 197 pounds. Physical, quick corner. Um, you know, inconsistency I think is really the biggest thing that you see with him. Um, that's really what, what tells me more than anything else a lot of missed tackles as well um, but I think with, with Castro Fields you know you brought in uh Shavarius Ward you have Jason Verrett as well that you re-signed Dante Johnson Ambry Thomas on the roster um but I think Castro Fields can can compete with this group and uh be a a backup uh, in, in that group so then you're looking at Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant there out of Iowa State, another quarterback, not the best athlete, not the biggest arm, but a guy who was a four-year starter there at Iowa State, could come in and be a solid backup for you. you got Trey Lance, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. I could see Brock Purdy having a long career as a career backup um, in the NFL. Tampa Bay, trade out of, of round number one ultimately, um, but I, I love the picks that they made. They take Logan Hall out out of Houston with the first pick in round number two. They start off day two and they get Logan Hall. Um, Look, you know we don't know ultimately if Indomicon Sue is going to be coming back or not. But what you do have with Logan Hall is a guy that can come in and take over that spot right away. Even if Indomicon Sue comes back, I think Logan Hall could battle William Golston, a guy who who is explosive. Um, You know he's position vertical, uh, versatile. So if they decided to to play any uh, even man fronts, he can move in to the inside and be an interior pass rusher as well. Uh, So I love that pick. Um, You know, if you're wondering in terms of the measurables, Logan Hall, 6'5", 6'6", 283 pounds, disruptive, 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 uses his hands very well. Um, Round number two, they end up targeting Uh, A tackle slash guard in Luke Gadecki. What I like about him, look, 6'5", 312 pounds, versatile. I think he'll end up replacing Ali Marpet as the guard opposite Shaq Mason. Um, So another solid pick there on day two. Um, Then they get Rashad White out of Arizona State. I had him mocked uh, going to them at one point. This is a guy who um, is going to probably shoulder some of that load running the football. When you looked at at this running back group, you had Leonard Fournette as your bell cow, and then your number two after that was Ronald Jones' second. He's gone. So I think Rashad Rashad White's going to be a guy that's going to be able to step in there. Giovanni Bernard was more of a, a pass catcher. And what I do like about Rashad White, he is more of an upright runner. One cut-and-go ability, but I love that his ability to go the distance on any given play. He's a very patient runner, looks for that hole, and gets north and south in a hurry. Excellent job there at the Senior Bowl. And then really that pre-draft process, he started to move up draft boards. I thought he ultimately was going to be a fourth-round pick. I love him coming off the board in round three and going to Tampa. Ran that 4 40 38-inch vertical leap at the combine. So Rashad White ends up being the backup there, and I, I really think that's a great pickup. Round four, they, they get a tight end. I, I think they needed to get a tight end, and Cam uh, Kate, Kate Otten out of Washington is a good receiver, also a decent blocker. Um, really good value there, the first pick in round number four. He'll be the backup there for Cameron Brait. And when you think about it, what's happening with Rob Gronkowski, is he back, is he not? Um, OJ Howard's gone, so you needed to t- uh, target a tight end. This was good value. Round four, you get Jake Camarda out of Georgia. This dude just, he boots cannons. Um, you know, he, he's got a cannon for a leg. He's going to be your kickoff specialist as well. I think he comes in, takes the job away from, from Bradley Pinion. He'll be your starting punter. Um, round four might be a little bit high to take a punter, but at the end of the day, I thought that was the right pick for them. Round five, you get Zion McCollum. Um, out of Sam Houston. Ball skills, ball skills, ball skills. Thirteen interceptions and fifty-four passes defended at Sam Houston. And when you look at him, look, he's 6'2, 199 pounds, and at the combine he showed off some incredible athleticism, ran a 43340 for a guy that size, 39 and a half inch vertical leap. Uh, 10 tackles for loss in his career as well so he, he, he's not afraid to come downhill and mix it up when I'm looking at things he can end up being you know a corner and uh, you know- be a backup there for, for Carl Davis could also push Jamel Dean for playing time as well so I love that pick could even move in and play that safety position in a pinch if you needed him to um, so I love the versatility excellent pick he's one of my favorite players in this entire draft in, in round six they end up going Keith out of uh, Minnesota 65 265 this is a blocker a blocking tight end not going to be much of a threat in the passing game he'll be your third tight end um and be more of that blocking tight end when it's all said and done. Could even move into the uh, into the backfield as a fullback if he needed to add some beef uh, up front. And then Andre Anthony out of LSU, um, 6'4", 251. You know, had a season-ending injury. You know, really, this is more of a potential more than anything else. Um, he's got good length. Good uh, speed coming off the edge as an edge rusher. Um, this is all going to be about potential. I think they're trying to capture, laps, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle. You've got Shaquille Barrett, you've got uh, Joe Tryon there on the outside, so they're hoping that uh, Andre Anthony could potentially move into a spot, uh, you know, and help those guys coming off the edge. Tennessee. Well, you traded away AJ Brown, so I think that really told us what they were going to do in round number one. That 18th overall pick, they end up taking Traylon Burks. They got that pick from the Eagles. They get Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. And look, yes, I know he ran that four-five-five forty, but he reminds you a lot of Debo Samuel because he's he's a big physical dude at 6'2", 225, Looks like a wide receiver. Um, he's going to be a day one starter. We know that this is a guy that's going to be able to you know he'll work out of the slot, and catch your slants. You can go vertical, win those fifty-fifty balls, those contested catches. Um, so when you look at him I, I actually really like him paired up with uh robert woods uh, when i'm thinking about things and where that he would be you know be his best where would his best fit be i actually really like tennessee for traylon burks uh really a sneaky good pick there in round number one round two tennessee ends up targeting a corner you know, I, I thought they did need a corner at some point um, and, and day two makes a lot of sense targeting that position they get uh, roger mccreary out of auburn a guy at one point people were expecting to come off the board in round one tennessee not scared away by the short arms at all uh, but you have mccreary probably going to be, be the backup there for caleb farley possibly move into the that nickel there and back up elijah molden you got christian Fulton on, on the opposite side as well so he's a a nice depth piece there um Round three, you get Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, the guy who's played both left and right tackle uh, at Ohio State. You've got Dylan Radens. Is he going to be a guard? Is he going to be a tackle? If Petit-Ferrer can take over that right tackle spot, that moves Dylan Radens inside to that left guard position. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Round three, they finally go quarterback. Malik Willis finally comes off the board. 6'1", 219 pounds. We know the story there. The guy who has the best arm in the draft. Inconsistent. The guy who's likely going to sit behind. Ryan Tannehill um, really learned things. That's what he needs. He needs to develop a little bit more. Um, but look, Ryan Tannehill. We know that he's not the long-term answer there for Tennessee. He's already you know starting to get up there in age. But the frustrating thing that you really saw was at uh, was in the playoffs. You know, we saw him kind of self-destruct there. You know, you're you're limited. Tennessee is really a quarterback away from really uh, con- contending there in the AFC. Um, so Malik Willis, uh, he'll be the starter there in Tennessee within a couple of years. Um, day three, they end up getting Hassan Haskins, another physical running back. Um, I thought that was what was a little curious there. 6'2", 228 pounds. You know, thought maybe they'd want to go with another uh, a running back that could offer some versatility. Got to catch the ball out of the backfield. No, they're going with Hassan Haskins. who's just going to be another guy just like uh, Derrick Henry, just pounding you in the mouth. Um you know, Jacosium uh, Okonkwo uh, Chig Okonkwo there out of, out of Maryland 6'3", 300, uh, I'm sorry 238 pounds uh, and this is a guy look he was the fastest tight end at the combine, uh, ran a 4-5 240, 52 catches 447 yards and 5 touchdowns you brought in Austin Hooper uh, Jeff swame's also on the roster but with Chig this is a guy that you could know, potentially use as an H-back you can split him out, you can put him in the slot, versatile guy um, so I like that pick Kyle Phillips is another guy, you know, great pickup there in round number five. You needed to get some depth pieces at that wide receiver spot. You got Nick Westbrook, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks now. Uh, you know, Ky- Kyle Phillips, not the fastest guy by any means, but a guy that just teams had such a hard time covering. You saw him there in uh, in the All Star games as well. Really, kind of uh, showed out there for sure. Theo Jackson, uh, 6'2, 203, a guy who has some versatility on the back end of the defense. You already have uh, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker. Um, so I think Theo Jackson's a guy that could potentially come in and battle for a backup job. Um, final spot in, in round number six, they get Chance Campbell out of Ole Miss, 6'2, 232 uh, pounds, a guy who is very athletic. Uh, played his, his college ball there at Maryland before transferring to Ole Miss. Uh, instinctive player, uh, plays pretty fast. Uh, you know he actually ran a much faster uh, 40 time than I thought. You know at a four five seven. Also had a 39 and a half inch vertical leap. 109 tackles this past season for the Rebels. 12 and a half tackles for loss. Six sacks as well. So when you look at this group, um, you know David Long, Zach Cunningham. You've got Monty Rice as well. Chance Campbell will fit in with that group, uh, be a nice depth piece for them. And then finally, the Washington Commanders. You knew they were going to need to get a receiver and and target somebody that's going to be able to help out, scary Terry McLaurin, um, and give Carson Wentz another receiving option. They end up, you know, a little bit of a a stretch. They're at number 16 overall, but they end up taking Jahan Dotson. um, You know, 5'11", 178 pounds. This is a guy who has... Tremendous hands, also dynamic on the outside. Everyone remembers the one-handed catch over Sean Wade against Ohio State along the sideline. Um, that really put his name on the map. But uh, a guy, I, I think he and Scary Terry are going to give them a nice vertical presence. You add in Curtis Samuel. you know That's definitely an upgrade there at the receiver position. Round two, they end up taking uh, Fidaria Mathis, a guy who I think can be an interior pass rusher. You've got a four-man front now. Uh, so you've got you know Montez Sweat and, and Chase uh, Young at the defensive end positions. You know, you've got uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. You need to replace Matt Ioannidis. And I think Phil Mathis is going to be able to come in there and be able to do that. And, and look, Federi Mathis, to me, I had him coming off the board in round number two. Um, you know, And actually, I'm going to the Bears because I thought the Bears could use a guy that could potentially replace Akeem Hicks and when you look at Mathis some people were surprised they talk about him just being a run uh, a run stuffer but look 53 tackles so he's very active 10 and a half tackles for loss nine sacks and I'll tell you what when you put on an Alabama film 48 flashes all the time all day long so love that pick his teammate from Bama Brian Robinson Jr. taking it in round number three And the Brian Robinson story is is tremendous. A guy that really waited his turn behind a lot of guys that ended up coming on to the the NFL. Um, And Brian Robinson really had a tremendous senior season. Uh, Put up some really good numbers at Bama. 6'1", 228 pounds, um, over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns. Also had 35 receptions. So um, surprising hands uh, coming out of the backfield. So uh, he kind of is that bigger physical option at the the running back position ran a four five three forty which was surprising for a guy his size but you already have the likes of uh, you know antonio gibson jd mckissick smaller backs you have jared patterson on the roster as well brian robinson's going to give you a physical presence a bigger running back uh, so i love that pick there round four you get percy butler out of louisiana six foot 194 pounds um a guy who just he, he seemed to fly around there at louisiana um, you look at that safety position, you have Cameron Curl and Bobby uh, McCain. Percy Butler will give you some really good depth. I thought that the commanders could potentially be in consideration for Kyle Hamilton. Um, ultimately, they traded back and uh, wound up targeting the receiver. Percy Butler's not a bad get, though, there in round number four. Uh, round five, Sam Howell falls all the way to round number five. 6'1, 218 pounds, best deep ball uh, thrower in this draft. Um, you know, just the the touch, the arm strength. You know, he also showed that, you know, he, he didn't have the receiving group and the running backs. Uh, this past season that he did in, during his sophomore season, where it was really a huge breakout. Everyone talking about Sam Howell as possibly the first quarterback off the board, um, more of a runner. Um, and when you look at this th- this receiving group, you've got you know Carson Wentz obviously, you know, and, and really after one year in Indy, he's already in Washington. So you worry about the long term there. You have T- uh, Taylor Heineke. Um, filled in very nicely as a, as a you know, he's a backup guy. Sam Howell could he potentially challenge Carson Wentz? Uh, or if Carson Wentz doesn't pan out, can he end up taking over that starting job? That's going to be something to watch out for. Cole Turner in round five. Look, you know he's a big uh, 6'7", 249 hundred forty nine pound receiver um, on the outside there. Um, you know he's a red zone guy. and that's really the biggest thing that that they're getting him for you've got logan thomas You needed another tight end uh you know john bates is there as well so cole turner good value in round number five Uh, round seven chris paul athletic guard he played tackle at tulsa at 6'4, 323 pounds i think ultimately Chris Paul is going to end up being a guard. And when you look at the, the guards that they have, you've got Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, so you're set as the starters. Wes Schweitzer as a backup. Chris Paul could come in and end up manning uh, you know, one of those backup roles. And when you look at Chris Paul, uh, you 4'8", know, 9'40", at the Combine, so definitely a tremendous athlete. And then round seven, they get Christian Holmes, uh, the corner out of Oklahoma State, 6'1", 205. A guy who can play on the outside, he can also play in uh, in the slot a little bit as well. And at that quarterback spot, you've got William uh, Jackson the third, Kendall Fuller. There's Danny Johnson, the nickel, uh, Corn Elder. They've got Benjamin Saint Just, who they just drafted in the third round a season ago. But maybe they'd be in the Derek Stingley running. You know, when Stingley was looked at as a potential back end of uh, of the top ten. You know, could they potentially be in the running there? But uh, at the end of the day, I think they're satisfied with, with their starters and that starting group. They can wait until round number seven, Christian Holmes, provides some of that versatility on the back end of the defense. So that does it for the team review. We've made it through all 32 teams and all 262 selections, which will then take us into episode three of the post-draft edition, where we'll go position by position. How many guys were taken at each position – what does that really look like? What were the surprises? And then also, who are the guys that weren't drafted? Some of the surprises there. And who could end up making a roster? And then finally, I'll give you some names at each position to look forward to for the 2023 draft. Guys, that you'll have to know when you're watching the 22-22 college football season. And these are going to be guys that I will be talking about in episode one of the 2023 podcast series so we've brought this podcast to an end i hope you've enjoyed the content we've got one more podcast for the 2022 podcast series i'm looking forward to it hope you are as well and for readyforthedraft.com this has been the ready for the draft podcast i've been your host greg shoots take care everyone enjoy your week and until next time i am out of here